You are listening to the Hematology podcast by Sanofi. Extramedullary disease, EMD, represents an aggressive form of multiple myeloma, characterized by the ability of myeloma cells to form tumors outside the bone marrow independently. Scientific research is continuously evolving, leading to discoveries of new treatments and improvements of current options. However, EMD in myeloma remains challenging from a therapeutic and biological perspective. And today, the prognosis for patients with this type of disease is generally poor. Experts call for a better understanding on, of how myeloma cells grow and thrive and the biology of extramedullary tumors in order to develop better treatment strategies for the future. One of those experts is Dr. Elena Samanyi, who is visiting our podcast today all the way from Italy. Dr. Samanyi is an associate professor at the Department of Medical and Surgical Sciences at the University of Bologna and has been a principal investigator in several national and international clinical trials in multiple myeloma. This is the Hematology Podcast, and I am Mats Mero. Welcome, Dr. Samanyi. Thanks for taking your time and join me here. Thank you. Hello. So let's start out with setting the scene a little bit. What is actually extramedullary disease in multiple myeloma? Yes, that's a very important question because for many years the definition was not clear. But uh, at the end, now we have a very important paper that was published last year by Jan Bladen and many other experts in the Blood Cancer Journal, clearly distinguishing between two entities, the true extramedullary disease, that is to say, disease which is located in soft tissues outside the setting of the skeleton. So the lesions are not in direct contact with the bones. This is the true extramedullary disease. However, we do also have another form of dissemination, which is called paraskeletal disease. And these are masses that are arising from the bones and going outside the bones. So these two entities now are clearly defined, and this is very important. So how is it if I have a patient with only plasmocytoma? in soft tissue? Should I regard that as an EMD? We can also have a solitary plasmocytoma outside the bones. Uh, this is quite a different entity because uh, usually we are referring to this as solitary plasmocytoma. So when one is referring to extramedullary disease, we are referring to a disease which is contemporary present together with multiple myeloma. So it's not completely wrong to define solitary plasmocytoma as an extramedullary because it's correct. But usually we are referring to a, a systemic disease plus this dissemination outside the bone. So the patient usually has uh, ordinary myeloma in the bone marrow plus yeah. this exactly. soft tissue disease. Yeah. Exactly. I remember seeing these late stage patients that had lots of changes in their head like horns under the skin and the head palpable. Should I regard that as EMD or how do you look at that? That is in contact with the bone. Yeah, exactly. Usually this is the other form, so paraskeletal. So even if you are seeing this from outside, because of course uh, in the skull uh, it's very close to the skin and it's very visible, usually those are typically paraskeletal lesions. So the 
incidence prognosis completely different. So the important thing about this is that these patients are difficult to treat. Why is it really that these patients are difficult to treat? Yeah, sure. Because, uh, well, this dissemination, this hematogenous spread outside the bone marrow is taking the plasma cells, so the cancer cells, outside the bone marrow microenvironment. And all our research, all our drugs are developed in the bone marrow microenvironment. So usually all the treatment that we have are tested against the plasma cells, but also against the bone marrow microenvironment. So this is the first problem. The second issue for sure is that drugs are reaching those sites with more difficulties. So they can act like a sort of reservoir of resistance cells that are difficult to be reached. So these are mainly the two reasons why those patients are more difficult to be treated. Do we know if there are any biological differences between the plasma cells in the soft tissue disease, EMD, compared in the same patient with with the, the standard myeloma in the bone marrow? Yeah, for sure, yes. Unfortunately, the research in this field is not that developed because, uh, of course, when you have to look at the biology of those lesions, you should have biopsy the lesions. But we do have some signals that often the cytogenetic molecular profile of uh, the plasma cells in the soft tissues are different as compared to the bone marrow. So this is the so-called spatial heterogeneity of the disease. So a patient can have a specific different biology in the soft lesion as compared to the own bone marrow. So the answer is yes. However, I think that still some research should go on and we are not already done in this field. Interesting and complex. So should one look, since these patients have a poor prognosis, should one look at as, at EMD as a high-risk feature? And how does it compare to other high-risk features in multiple myeloma? Absolutely, yes. I think that we can state that nowadays EMD is one of the characteristics with the higher aggressivity. So for sure, those patients are high-risk patients. So sometimes uh, there is a co-segregation of EMD with other risk characteristics. For example, plasma cell leukemia. Patients with plasma cell leukemia sometimes do have contemporary also EMD. Patients with high-risk cytogenetic profile, but I just said that that the profile can be different. Uh, But if I have to say something for sure, EMD is one of the disease characteristics that uh, really is giving the worst prognosis to the patient. So this is important to recognize. So how common is EMD in multiple myeloma and when does it come? Is it both, can it be both a diagnosis and later on in disease? Well, fortunately, a diagnosis is rare. So it's not a common condition. The incidence is ranging between 1.5 and 5%. So this is good, of course, and this is also one of the reasons why it's difficult to identify a precise treatment for those patients. Uh, on the contrary, during the course of the disease, so going on with the relapse phases, the incidence is range is um, raising up to something like 10%. So it's more frequent in advanced phase of the disease, but diagnosis is rare. And this is typically differentiating with the 
paraskeletal disease with the, the other form, which is more frequent and stable over time. So paraskeletal can be found up to 30% of the patient and it's not increasing during the course of the disease. That's why, again, once again, it's very important to differentiate these two entities. That's interesting. That fits with what I think I've seen myself. Some of us, I, I feel that we see more of EMD now than we did before. Is this true? Is, does it have to do with new treatments? What do you say? Well, yeah, somehow yes, somehow no. Uh, we are seeing more, correct. Uh, but uh, we don't have a clear signal that new treatments, that is to say, for example, immunotherapies uh, or other newer forms of treatment, are inducing a higher risk of this uh, complication or of this risk feature. What is true is that, uh, first of all, we are using uh, more frequently whole body functional imaging techniques. So we are detecting more, we are searching more. And the third point is that patients are living more. And so, as I said, going on with the treatment, so fourth line, fifth line, sixth line, seventh line of therapy, the incidence is going up. So probably those are the main two reasons why now we are seeing more. Until now, we don't have a clear demonstration that a specific treatment is inducing EMD. So it seems, though, since this is a high-risk feature, that it's important to recognize it, both at diagnosis and also maybe later in disease. If one should look at it from the patient perspective, what can the patient notice of symptoms to make me, as a doctor, uh, suspicious of an EMD? Some EMD can be intercepted and detected by the patients because one of the more frequent sites of localization are the skin and the lymph nodes. So sometimes the patient is realizing that he or she has some small masses or some enlarged nodes along the body. So in these cases, is the patient that is warning you up. But of course, if the disease is located in the abdomen or in the thorax, so in the deeper part of the body, the patient is not realizing. Sometimes it can be because you have an alteration in the lab test, for example, in the liver enzyme or liver test, because another very frequent localization is the liver, for example. So in this case, it's not visible from outside, but uh, you can suspect uh, looking at the blood test. So it depends. Sometimes it can be visible. Sometimes you have to look for it. Uh, I just wanted to ask you about these skin lesions. What type of skin lesion? Is that a lump or, or, or what do we see on the skin? They are usually just below the skin. They are hard. They are not moving. There are small masses that, uh, well, from outside, of course, you cannot differentiate exactly from maybe other skin lesions. But, uh, of course, if there is a multiple myeloma, progressive multiple myeloma, then, of course, uh, the suspect uh, is very high. Mm. You already hit a little bit on my next question, and that is how I, I as a doctor, should suspect that my patient has developed EMD. Yeah, exactly. That's an that excellent question. Yes, because as I said, so one possibility is to see them from outside. The second possibility I said is look for it. So one could ask, okay, but should I look in all patients or which patients are, let's say, 
more keen to be looked for. So for sure, patients with a history of EMD, but also of paraskeletal lesions, there is this tendency of reproducing the same pattern of disease. So if one patient had an EMD diagnosis, it's more frequent that he or she develops during the course of the disease. This is the first point. The second point is patients with many other high-risk characteristics, so plasma cell leukemia, very high cytogenetic risk. The third point is patient with an elevation of LDH. LDH is not, of course, specific for multiple myeloma, but it can be elevated in other situations, pneumonia or whatever. But in this context, when the LDH is going up, this is a, a very important uh, sign of suspicion of EMP. So these are mainly the setting where I would look for EMD. And the reason why it's important for me to suspect EMD is that it's not always recognized just on a standard workup for myeloma, right? Correct. So what yeah. if I suspect EMD, what, what uh, diagnostic procedures sh- should I do? So for sure, I should go for a very sensitive, modern and whole body imaging technique. So when we were using, for example, whole body X-ray, we are not finding those lesions. With whole body low dose CT, we can. However, it's not the optimal imaging technique. So for sure, we have two imaging techniques that are preferred, PET-CT and whole body MRI. So PET-CT is the uh, recommended one by the International uh, Myeloma Guidelines because, uh, of course, it's a dual technique, so it can look uh, for the anatomy of the lesion, but also the metabolism. It's giving also prognostic information. At the same time, whole body MRI can be preferred when the EMD, for example, is located in the CNS. So for sure, MRI is more sensitive at the CNS level, so both the brain and the spine. So if you have a suspicion or a lesion located there, MRI should be preferred over PET-CT. So you should go for whole body and functional techniques. Those are for sure the preferred techniques. And these are these changes are always so metabolically active that they are clear on PET CT. Yes, usually they are highly metabolic. Mm. Yes, uh, well, in multiple myeloma, the standard the osteolytic focal lesion are usually not that much metabolic. When you have EMD, you are seeing really SUV max very very high, fifteen, twenty, thirty. So this is usually happening. Okay, let's move a little bit to treatment. So when I have my patient with multiple myeloma and EMD manifestations, how should I think about treatment? Should I modify my treatment and think differently than I would do in a standard patient? Okay, as I said before, unfortunately for the incidence of this uh, EMD, uh, until now there have been really few dedicated trials So we are used to put this patient in the same box of normal multiple myeloma and to treat the patient at the same way. So we don't have a specific treatment recommended for those patients. For sure, as they are high-risk patients, I don't that uh, probably nowadays they are the true unmet clinical need, we have to go for intensive treatment, the most as possible, of course, according to the age, to the clinical condition. So to give the best we have in our hands, both in first line and subsequent line, 
those patients are not, for example, the patient in which I would stop the treatment or make a treatment interruptions. However, we don't have a specific treatment because all the treatment until now have demonstrated that they work in ENT, but they work a little bit less as compared to the general population. So we cannot say there is a specific drug that should be given in those patients. Also, because we lack information on the biology, as I said, we don't have that much information. So we cannot say those patients are always mutated in some genes. And so we can try to target those genes. For example, we don't have these informations. So... We we know that we have quite a different microenvironment in the bone marrow part of the disease and these extramedullary disease. We have no clear evidence that those different drugs that we have now, that any of them work differently in EMD compared to... No, well, unfortunately not. As I said, also all the new immune therapies, uh, CAR-Ts, bispecific antibodies, they are performing somehow in EMD population, but they are performing worse as compared to the general population. So as I said, uh, currently, the idea is to try to give the best treatment options we have in our hands. So for sure, all the new treatments, immune therapies, monoclonal antibodies have improved the outcome of those patients as compared just to autologous transplantation or to PI and EMITS, for example, that we were using until some years ago. However, neither of these newer options demonstrated to overcome the bad prognostic meaning of this uh, kind of multiple myeloma. And how should I evaluate my patients with EMD disease? Okay, so the uh, response evaluation is very important because, uh, of course, in those patients, you cannot uh, limit yourself to evaluate uh, lab response and bone marrow response, but you have to look for the disappearance of these uh, soft tissue lesions. So once again, it's important to use functional techniques because I don't have to evaluate only the, let's say, CT part, so the disappearance of the lesion, because sometimes the lesion is not completely disappearing, but for example, is becoming fibrotic or necrotic. So it's also important to use the metabolic information in the case of PET-CT or in the case of MRI, the evaluation of cellular infiltration. So this is very important. And currently, I have to say that the current guidelines are not refined in this sense because they are still relying on old criteria. So they are sometimes considering only the CT part. Uh, so it's important that it's work in progress to, of course, uh, renew and revisit this criteria to join together the evaluation of the metabolic part with the evaluation of the morphologic part. So I can have quite different responses in the bone marrow of the standard myeloma part compared to the EMD part. I have to see them as different entities of the disease. Absolutely, yes. So, of course, often they are going in parallel together. So you have response in both settings, but it can happen that you have a a complete negativization of the bone marrow and a not complete negativization in this soft tissue or even worse, a progression at that level. It, it is happening, so that's why I'm saying that it's important to have a joint evaluation. It seems that this is an emerging important topic in multiple myeloma. So 
what knowledge do you feel that we are lacking today? It seems to be quite a lot we want to know, and it's very exciting. How, how can we better understand the disease and, and uh, subsequently develop better treatments? Yeah, for sure, we have uh, to gain some knowledge on the biology. So I think that all the job should go on in this regards, uh, so to look better. If we can find something specific for EMD, so if there are some genes uh, that are overexpressed or suppressed on the contrary, that we can target, this is the first point. The second point, we should try in each clinical trial to dedicate uh, a part uh, to those patients, I know that they are not uh, frequent, as I said, but uh, probably to develop a trial only on those patients is difficult because they are not that much, but we can try or we can try to, let's say, have a subsection in the general population. The second point, probably, truly in these cases, uh, the combination strategy is probably the winning. Uh, we do have some examples, for example, in the bispecific setting with a single bispecific, maybe the results are not satisfactory, but if you are combining two together, for example, the response uh, is improving and also the duration of the response. So as in those patients, uh, probably there is a high heterogeneity in terms of uh, uh, molecular and cytogenetic. If we are using at the same time uh, different drugs with different mechanisms of action or different targets, uh, we can try to overcome this uh, resistance due to a sort of an escape. So this is, generally speaking, uh, what I think it could be the best strategy. Do we have any current ongoing trials in EMD and are, are there planned trials? They have, to my knowledge, There has been one trial that uh, concluded the enrollment, 50 patients in a quite prolonged period of time, because as I said, that at least it was one of the first attempts to dedicate a specific trial for patients with EMD. Some other trial probably will be planned soon, but as I said, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of dedicated trials. Well, this is an emerging important topic and uh, this discussion was very interesting to me. I must say it explains many things I think I've seen in my patients before without really knowing. So it's fantastic that we, we learn these things. And thank you so much for joining me here and good luck in your, your continuous research in this field. Thank you very much to you. Bye. Thank you. You have just listened to the Hematology podcast by Sanofi. 